I was in a long-term abusive relationship with myself. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. <laughs> Love, Luna. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Self-Love Lessons with Luna. Here I am on the lounge. And if you haven't seen last week's episodes, we are in part two of a three-part series of self-harm series. I had bulimia and binge eating disorder for a very, very long time. And in part one, I spoke heavily into my experience of that, how it started through childhood, hating myself and the experience that I had, how it formed and the development of it over the years. In today's part two of the self-harm series, I'm going to talk about how it extended far beyond food for me. The binge eating and the eating disorder is a symptom of my self-esteem. It was a symptom of my self-hate. And so there were many other avenues that I chose, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever you want to call it, that I used in order to avoid myself, in order to harm myself. Physically, mentally, spiritually and emotionally, I was in a long-term abusive relationship with myself. So we're going to talk about some pretty serious issues here. So if there are young people tuning in, please maybe just check with your guardian or your mum and dad just to make sure that this is going to be appropriate. And for any of you out there, please, this is a trigger warning. There may be topics in here that are close to home for you. So reach out. You can reach out to me, 0403-981-597. Reach out to Lifeline or the Butterfly Foundation or any of the mental health providers that you generally contact. See a psychologist, get some counselling, do whatever you need to do to look after yourself. You are not alone and people are here to look out for you. In next week's episode, we're going to look at my recovery. How did I do it? How did I go from somebody who hated themselves so heavily in a long-term abusive relationship with myself all the way through to sitting here in front of you today, somebody who is happily in love with themselves, who's able to enjoy food, who's able to enjoy the beautiful things in life without it becoming an obsession. But for today, there's still a bunch of my story that I believe that you need to hear. Let's get stuck into it. If I was to say the words that I said to myself in my head and out loud to someone else, if I was to treat someone else the way in which I treated myself, if I was to physically do the things to someone else that I did to myself, I'm pretty sure that I should have been arrested. Long-term abusive relationship with this guy just here. I had low self-esteem. I hated myself greatly. And what that means is that any kind of outlet that I could have that could take me away from me, I wanted it. And so in the last week's episode, I talk about how food was that for me, how I would binge and purge and do all that kind of jazz because it was an escape for myself. Once I actually stopped binging and purging, I still had this kind of behavior with exercise. Absolutely, I would punish myself in the gym. I would make sure that I was still, you know, eating healthily. I wasn't necessarily calorie counting or going on diets, but I was watching what I ate and I was still trying to restrict what I ate and I would hammer myself at the gym. I would be constantly sore. I pushed myself beyond exhaustion on many, many occasions, right up to the point where I experienced something called adrenal fatigue. 
I had run my body so hard for so long that everything just kind of fell apart and some days even now I find that it's a struggle just to go for a walk in the afternoon. When I was about 16 all this self-harm really started to begin. I remember one moment where I was at a house party and someone had said something to me about me sitting on their lap and how they didn't want to break their legs so no thank you. And it was one of my triggers and even then I lost weight by that point and I was just so in pain I didn't know what to do and, and I remember just the digging of my fingernails that are quite long into my skin. Just I just scratched and just wanted the pain that was inside of myself to be on the outside. I wanted that so badly because I had no idea how to deal with my emotions. And yeah, we could say, well, I'm 16, most 16 year olds don't know how to deal with their emotions. But I would say that most adults don't know how to deal with their emotions. Most of us in general do not know how to deal with what's going on inside our heads and our hearts. And this was one of the ways that it was so overwhelming for me to be able to escape. If I could feel it on my arms, then I could feel it somewhere and it made sense to me. Gratefully, I didn't physically self-harm like that for long. I know that young people typically party. It's a pretty common thing that we're in my 20s, oh yeah, we just get wasted, it's a pretty thing. But if you ever think about the terminology, I just want to get out of my head. I just want to get off my face. I just want to be wild and just not have to think anymore. Let's get wasted. Any of the terminology that we use for partying and going out and binge drinking are all a way to describe getting away from us, getting away from ourselves. I like dancing, I like having fun, I liked going out, but I binge drink to the point of absolute annihilation. I put myself in really super dangerous situations where I would walk home down the middle of the street in the dark alone. I put myself in situations with with men in sexual situations that probably weren't very safe. They certainly weren't very safe emotionally. Lots of promiscuity, lots of binge drinking, lots of just partying from Thursday to Sunday every single week, even while I was still in year 11 and 12, I would get wasted on a regular basis, be hung over all the next day, binge eat as much junk food I could possibly function before throwing it all up because I really got very, very sick when it came to alcohol and I would do it all over again. I abused marijuana. Pretty much every single day I would roll out of my bed and pick up a bong and, and smoke cones all day. Go to school that way, drive that way. I used to function every, every day in that kind of state because all I wanted to do was get away from myself. By the time I hit my 20s and my early 20s, it escalated. You know, then all of a sudden things on the scene were, were, you know, MDMA, all sorts of different kind of drugs. Cocaine was on the scene. Goodness me, I remember being a very young experimental drug user and someone goes to me, oh, there's this great new thing called ice. And ice wasn't what it is now. It wasn't the, had the taboo. It wasn't that bad, so to speak. It wasn't in the market yet, but it could have been. I look back on so many bullets that I've dodged in my life. So many times, some kind of greater part of me said, no, stop it, please love me, please love me. I think we all have that little voice inside of ourselves and that says, I want more, I deserve more, maybe I could have more. 
And very often we drink that voice down, we drug that voice down, we eat that voice down, we watch that voice down, we exercise and work and punish ourselves down. These are all known as numbing behaviours and I was very good at them. You know, if, if I had to go to some kind of, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous kind of group, I think I would just have to go with overdoing it anonymous, avoiding myself anonymous. Because I never really cared what it was. I never really cared what the outlet was. What I cared about was that I didn't have to be around myself. Because I didn't like who I was. In fact, in a proper reflection, a more accurate thing is there, is that I didn't know who I was. I thought I had to be somebody that I wasn't. I thought that getting drunk every time and going out and having sex with randoms and taking all the drugs and doing all the things was going to make me happy. If I lost the weight, partied, if I fit into the environment, if I make sure I had a wine all the time and I was making myself silly and dumbing myself down, then I would fit in and then I would feel happy. It never came. Every single one of these outward things that I would grab at. I call this reaching. I think we can all relate to some kind of reaching behaviour. Maybe it's the reaching to the toxic person in your life that isn't great for you but stops you from feeling lonely from time to time. <sighs> we know that one. <laughs> Maybe it's the reaching for the chocolate bar when you're not feeling great. Maybe it's the reaching for the absolute punishment of keeping yourself busy. Maybe it's the reaching for the bottle. Look, I think that we all have these kind of things. These avoidant numbing behaviors we all have them and I did mine pretty seriously pretty heavily for a very very long time and I was not happy I did not like myself I did not like who I was I met a client of mine a couple of years ago who came to me and was you know struggling with their kind of alcohol consumption and I had a very frank conversation with them in the beginning and I said, alcohol is the first thing that we're going to tackle. And they said to me, what? What do you mean? That's the thing that we're going to tackle. The alcohol is just the vessel that you're using to avoid yourself. The vessel that you're using to avoid yourself. You know, I video games, whatever it happens to be, trying to escape who I was was a thing that I wanted to do more than anything in this world. And I tell you what, I did a bloody good job of it. One of the biggest addictions I've ever had to overcome was the addiction of the mask. I've taken the mask off of, of who I was pretending to be for all those years. It's not like I cha I've changed who I am necessarily. I've just become the truest version of me. And that's what I help people do. I help people unravel all the avoidance issues. I help people unravel all the reasons why they can't be themselves. So they can finally fall in love with who they truly are. Because I've done it for myself. And in next week's episode, to wrap up part three of this self-harm series, I'm going to show you how. I'm going to talk about what I did, who the people that I followed, what did I do actually practically how did I get from that point of avoiding myself at all costs to now being able to go on a 10-day silent meditation retreat with myself listening to my inner heart listening to my guidance of self you might not want to do that kind of stuff maybe go on that long meditation 
that's a big one. I'll talk about it next week. But I'm sure that if you're listening here, if you're watching here, you want to connect more with who you are. You want to love yourself more and it's something that I want for you. If anything in this conversation I've had today or in last week's episode has been a trigger for you, please do get in touch with somebody. Either myself, 0403-981-597 or loveyourself at moreconfidence.com.au Reach out to a friend, a family member, Lifeline, Butterfly Foundation, whatever it is that happens to be, see a psychologist, a coach, someone can help you out there. I promise you that. There is hope and you can heal from these kind of addictive behaviours of self-harm so you can remove yourself from the long-term abusive relationship with yourself and come to a place where you can really fall in love with who you are. Until next week, where we wrap up this three-part series and I talk to you about my recovery. I will see you then next Friday. Make sure you're tuning in. Happy self-loving.